This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Makai Becton, ladies and gentlemen, human beings that large should not run as fast as Makai Becton did. And if you like people just abusing other humans, the Makai Becton tape is for you. Wilson going to the air. Chased out by Daquan Jones. Wilson looking in zone, wide open, touchdown! First NFL touchdown for Zach Wilson! And it goes to Corey Davis. Down the middle, he's got it. Elijah Moore, the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jones is just caught flat-footed. What an excellent, excellent round. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff. You know that's the Q-inator. Oh my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the playlikeajet.com digital studio. This is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at playlikeajet1. And it is time to break down the all 22 of one of the now surprisingly most polarizing prospects of the 2022 NFL Draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, the edge rusher out of Oregon. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under, made a fantastic video on our YouTube channel. If you haven't watched it yet, you should go over there and watch it right now and subscribe. So Luke is here to break everything down in greater detail. Luke, thanks for coming on, brother. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to talk uh, Kayvon Thibodeau and maybe bust some of the narratives Look, obviously, I can't speak to what's going to happen in meeting rooms and his commitment, but I'm happy to speak on his decision to go to Oregon over Alabama. I'm happy to speak on the tape. <laughs> and I think when you look at those things and, and what he's put out there, throw the sack numbers out the window a little bit. I think this guy could be a star. And uh, I think we'll get into that as the as the podcast uh, progresses. So let's break down Kayvon Thibodeau's tape here. One of the criticisms that he's gotten a lot, and you hear this primarily from Daniel Jeremiah, and I wanted to bring up some of Daniel Jeremiah's criticisms of Thibodeau to see if they match what you saw when you watched the tape as well. Kayvon Thibodeau came to Oregon and really had an impressive freshman campaign. There was a ton of hype around him, but a lot of people believe that Thibodeau never built on what he had his freshman year, and he basically never progressed move-wise from his freshman year to his junior year, and now, of course, to where we're at right before the NFL draft. Is that what you saw when you looked at the tape? Look, if you're after a guy who has a huge bag of moves and a great repertoire and think Kyrie Irving when he's going to the rim in basketball terms, that's not who uh, Kayvon is. He isn't that guy. But this is what I think I need to stress to people. There is nuance about his hand usage and his rips and his ability to swipe and put moves together. He just doesn't have a huge repertoire yet. 
Now, to answer the question why, this is my thought process anyway. You chuck on the Thibodeau tape from 2020 against USC, and you watch him bully Elijah Veritaka and bully number 70 on the other side, the right tackle. He is beating men, or young men, with size, athleticism, and being the biggest, fastest, and strongest athlete on the field. Because he does that, and because he was so successful in that way, he hasn't really needed that extra level, that extra notch, having the hand usage, having a larger repertoire of moves. So I don't think it's because he can't do it. I don't think it's because he doesn't work hard enough. I think it's because what he's focused on is his speed to power, a couple of moves, he's excelled at them. And yes, he has room to grow. When he gets to the NFL, there's a good chance he can't just bully everybody because everyone gets bigger and stronger in the NFL. And that's where I think NFL coaching can actually take him to an even higher level. If anything, that criticism for me and the way I look at Thibodeau's tape I think that raises his ceiling. It doesn't drop it. So, you know, I, I totally understand what, what Daniel's saying, and he's obviously the best in the business of this, and I'm not going to sit here and criticize him. I agree with him in premise, but I don't think it necessarily has a negative effect, effect on Thibodeau's stock. Talk a little bit more about the speed to power, because that's obviously very important for a potential NFL edge rusher. His twitch is off the chart. He has great get-off, I think. One of the best get-offs I've seen in the last four or five years is actually Emmanuel Ogba, who played with the Dolphins last year. So just think someone who has speed, but they're not rushing necessarily around the corner. They have the ability to convert that energy into then power in their hands and upper body and drive through the tackle's chest with a bull rush. That's the best way I can kind of talk or explain a speed-to-power rush. And Thibodeau is so good at it because, number one, he's long. Number two, he's explosive. He has that general speed and burst off the football. And then he has the power because he's one of the most physically gifted athletes in the whole of the NFL draft. But what I want to say is Oregon didn't use him very well. They had him a lot lined up at a four or five technique for people who aren't super into the nuanced details of football. What that means is his head and helmet is lined up either over the tackle or just outside his shoulder pad. What that means is a lot of the times he was coming off the ball and just shooting his hand straight through the tackle and he was taking him head on. He wasn't being asked to rush around the corner or have a runway or a laneway like the wide nine technique that Robert Sulla uses in the jets. That's where the link is going to be here. That allows you to get more speed to power, to get more bend around the corner, to open up the angles for counter moves. A lot of these little issues or things that we didn't see enough of, I think were actually a product of his usage at Oregon. So that's something I definitely want to specify. But he definitely is the best speed to power rusher in the uh, NFL draft in 2022. He has that ability in spades. And I think it's something that's going to translate straight away. My comp for him is Jadevian Clowney. That's something everyone's seen the tape of him just bull rushing a tackle into the backfield and then decapitating the running back. I think Thibodeau has that kind of explosive speed to power as well. Luke, you mentioned bend, and that's another area where Kayvon Thibodeau has gotten some criticism. Daniel Jeremiah has said he's not really that impressed with Kayvon Thibodeau's bend. Do you agree? Here's what I'm going to say. If you're looking for Brian Burns or you're looking for Von Miller and you're expecting a twitchy, bendy, uh, the teammate of Hutchinson in, in Michigan, Ajabo, that kind of edge rusher, that's not who Thibodeau is. He's a Miles Garrett or he's a Jadevian Clowney type prospect. If you want to measure him against Brian Burns, then yes, he lacks bend. But for a 4-3 defensive end coming out of college, I think he is explosive through his hips. And even though he doesn't have, he doesn't have great lower body flex and he isn't, you know, going around the corner and, and rushing around the corner and the, and the edge really low to the ground with his shoulder down. There are reps that I saw against check on the Cal tape from 2021, where I think he had two and a half sacks or something in that game. 
and watch how his hips are able to snap around the corner and he's able to turn it almost a 90 degree angle. When I watched Jakai Polite, sorry to give everyone PTSD, when I watched Jakai Polite coming out of college at LSU, my biggest issue with him was he had bend, but so many times he ended up 10, 12 yards in the backfield because he couldn't get around the corner. Thibodeau might not have that bend, but his hips are so strong and his legs have such power. He's still flexible enough to turn his hips, to get around the corner seven or eight yards in the backfield, and that's where you meet the quarterback. So I don't agree personally with that. I think he has plenty of twitch and bend and flexibility for the position. That isn't going to be his calling card. He isn't going to be a three, four outside linebacker. But as a wide nine rusher, someone coming out of the seven tech, occasionally head over the tackle, he's got plenty of bend for me, plenty of uh, of flexibility. I think that's an area that people are going to be surprised about. I want to see his three cone in the combine. That's an important one. See how he does that L drill. So I think that's going to be a really good number and people are going to be kind of awoken by what he can do in, uh, in Indianapolis. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Luke, our friend Joe Blewett, who hosts Blewett's Blitz, has said that one thing that concerned him watching Kayvon Thibodeau's tape is that he has a tendency to give up on plays when he doesn't get the upper hand early. He's sort of a front runner. He'll just stop trying in the middle of the play when he realizes he's probably not going to win. Is that something you saw? Off the bat, let me answer the question honestly. Yes, he definitely has a bit of a two-paced motor. He's not Chase Winovich you know, <laughs> coming out of the Big Ten with his hair on fire every single rep, playing like his life depends on him. That isn't Thibodeau. And that is a concern, and I'm sure that's going to come up in the draft process. But at the same time, I think part of that is linked to the fact that his mid-rush counters. So what I mean by that is he comes in with a swim, but then the offensive lineman has the right hand placement for that. So how does he then go to a secondary transition move to try and beat him on a counter? So because he doesn't have that, side of his game down pat yet it's very difficult to win reps when you don't win off the snap or your initial move doesn't win because he's not nuanced nuanced in that way yet so i think when he gets that ability with nfl coaching assuming and that's an assumption but he does pick that up then you'll see improvement with those reps where there's a stalemate early because he feels he has the tools in his kit to then win with second and third moves and be able to cause problems but right now yeah i think there is a bit of a an effort issue around uh, around thibodeau And it's interesting because I saw it on tape with a couple of guys last year and it made me kind of have cause for pause and we didn't really see a transition to the NFL. So it's difficult to know if that's a commitment issue. Was he injured? Was he just not trying because Oregon were playing poorly in those games? Look, none of them are great answers. I think it's definitely something that will be addressed. But overall, I think it's a combination of, yeah, not trying his hardest every snap, but also not having the repertoire of moves and counters after the first one doesn't work within a rush. Luke, let's talk a little bit more about his strengths and weaknesses. We delved into quite a few of them so far. What are we missing? I think in the run game, he sets a terrific edge. And you're probably not surprised when you look at him. He looks heavier than 265 pounds. And I mean that in a good way. He's just got such a thick frame that can carry weight so well. He's so long. If you want him to two gap, which means kind of stand up the tackle, peek through both the B and the C gap, and then shed, kind of like what we see Evan Neal struggling with. And we'll get to that in a later podcast. But if you want a guy who can do that, which the Jets don't do a ton of that, and that's kind of strange because it fits their defensive line, he's perfect for that. He can set an edge though and say, I'm not letting you through the C gap, get outside contained. He does that really well. He has great uh, length, obviously. He has great explosion, so he can cause displacement. I think he has a variety of ways he can impact the running game, and that's going to be really important for him. Something else I wanted to circle back to as far as the strengths is that even though he doesn't have the bag of moves, and I've talked about that, 
there is a really nice subtlety about his hand usage and his understanding. I think he's a very smart athlete and a very smart pass rusher. There are a couple of reps against Cal, uh, not Cal, sorry, UCLA uh, in the rain in 2021 against USC, the game I already mentioned, a couple of other times as well, the Cal game, where he just understood leverage and that if he put his hand here and one with his long inside arm, then he could transition into a swim or he could transition into a club. And I just, I think he has a pretty good understanding and he's technically pretty proficient when he actually executes those moves. He just probably doesn't do it often enough. So I think that's something that gives me such hope with Thibodeau and his ceiling. And that's why with the video we talked about, I called him the most talented player in the draft. I think he has the highest ceiling of anyone because I think he has room to grow and that's what excites me. So it's not that he can't implement moves. It's just that he's not doing it that much. But I actually think his nuance and hand placement is actually much better than a lot of people think. So they're two strengths that I think some people won't talk about a whole lot because number one, people think the running game is not important anymore. And that's a product of PFF and the way analytics have changed football. And then because of the lack of moves, people think he's not proficient at doing them, but I don't think that's the case. So I think that's two pretty big strengths for him. Luke, can you talk a little bit more about Thibodeau as a run defender? Because I think, as you said, that's something that doesn't get discussed enough. And you did compare him to Jadavian Clowney, which I want to come back to a little bit later. And everybody knows that Clowney is an excellent run defender. So if Thibodeau can be anywhere near as good of a run defender as Jadavian Clowney turned out to be at the NFL level, then it's going to be difficult for him to be bad. He may not necessarily be great, but if you can defend the run like that and be at least a decent pass rusher, it's going to mean that the odds of you being a straight-up bust are fairly low. It raises the, the, the floor sorry, immensely. I can't explain to people enough that being an elite run defender and also in the 70th percentile of pass rushes, it gives you an opportunity to be an above-average NFL edge. And look, that's not what you're hoping for when you select the guy at number four overall. So don't get on me and say, well, that's your expectation and clown is your expectation. Then that's not what you know. That's not a good outcome for the Jets at number four. I agree. But if the worst performance you're going to get out of your uh, number four pick is Jadeveon Clowney's career, particularly the last few years, had pretty good success at certain stops along the way, then I think if that's the worst outcome, you're in pretty good hands. And I think he has the athletic uh, upside to make it even higher. Speaking, specific, sorry, speaking specifically about the running game, uh, I think his backside pursuit is really good. He's able to chase and swallow up uh, running backs with his length because his arms are so long. He covers so much territory. And if he beats his man, he's able to almost overwhelm you with that length and make tackles that a lot of edges couldn't do. A couple of these guys with shorter arms, someone like George Karloftis, who has missed a lot of tackles. If you look at his percentage of missed tackles in the running game, it's one of the highest in the class. Arm length matters. I know people, it's over-talked about with offensive tackles on the other side because we saw Slater have great success. But having longer arms helps you with leverage, helps you with bench pressing guys on the offensive line. It also helps you make those tackles I just spoke about. So I think that's a really big part of his game. And then again, it's just about being immovable. If he's trying and he's firing and he's giving 100% effort, which is still 80, 90% of the time, let's not get this carried away and, and over-exaggerate the point, he's an immovable force in the run game. And when you have that, you want to run away from him. And that means you can then stack your boxes in certain ways and give certain looks and put your nickel corner on the other side. It makes you, uh, it's a lot easier to work around it if you know Thibodeau has that right side of the defensive line locked down and he's going to be immovable and he's got the C gap and he's got outside contained. I just think it gives you certainty. It gives you more scheme flexibility. I think that will be important for Salah because this run defense was really bad. And I think part of that was Bryce Huff 
Uh, even John Franklin Myers, they struggled a little bit on the outside. Fadakasi struggled immensely this year. So having a strong presence in that aspect, I think it'll help the Jets on all fronts. Luke, I want to come back to your Jadavian Clowney comparison. What you said makes a lot of sense to me because when people hear Jadavian Clowney as the comparison, they think, oh, the best you're going to get is Jadavian Clowney. But what you're saying is you think that the worst case scenario is what Jadavian Clowney turned into as a pro. And what I think people should remember is that when Jadavian Clowney entered the draft and got picked number one out of South Carolina by the Houston Texans, it was thought that he had a Lawrence Taylor-like ceiling, that the potential was unlimited. And worst case scenario, he would basically turn into what he ended up being. So he hit his floor. You're saying Kayvon Thibodeau's floor is similar to what Clowney's was coming out of South Carolina, which ultimately turned into the player that he became in the NFL. So if he becomes that level of player, and that's the worst case scenario, but the best case scenario is a significantly higher ceiling, then I think that makes the pick a lot safer than some people believe it would be. Yeah, look, I I think you hit the nail on the head, and I just want to emphasize that point. Jadavian Clowney coming out had a spectrum, and his spectrum of results or outcomes or potential outcomes was from Lawrence Taylor to Miles Garrett. I know he was drafted after him, but that level of player to a JJ Watt, then maybe down to a Shaq Barrett, and then down to a Leonard Williams. I know they play slightly different positions on the offensive defensive line, but that's kind of the range of outcomes for him as far as talent and production. And he ended up just being in that kind of Leonard Williams production kind of player. And I know Jets fans don't want to hear that, but Williams has also been productive. He got paid handsomely in the Giants. He had a 12-sack season. That's the worst you got out of him. He hit the low end of his spectrum and his expected outcomes, and he's still been a pro bowl caliber player. That's not saying Thibodeau can't do better than that. Clowney hit the lowest mark that I expected he could. If Thibodeau hits two marks above that, well, you've got around, you know, somewhere between, uh, I don't know, Chandler Jones-like production maybe, and that's a guy you are 100%. Pick Chandler Jones at number four overall in a redraft. You take him there 10 times out of 10. That's the level of production he can get if he just hits just above average of what I think he can do. So just remember, there's a range of outcomes for every prospect. His starts with Clowney and that floor, but he also has an immensely higher ceiling. And that's up to Thibodeau. I understand he's a business-driven guy, but hey, I'll tell you what's good for business, sacking the quarterback. And he's a smart dude and he understands that as well. He knows there's a life after football, getting endorsements, all these things, they'll come through playing well in the NFL. I think he's smart enough to realize that and I think he has the potential to be a great pass rusher. Luke, last question. Let's talk fit in the Salah Ulbricht defense. How do you see him being used if he were drafted by the Jets? I think he would be a perfect fit. He was diverse with lining up on the left and the right-hand side of the line. I think he's probably best lining up from the left defensive end spot. That matches up with the Jets because Carl Lawson uh, gave Mackay Becton trouble in camp because he rushes from the right-hand side of the defensive line. So it's a great fit from that perspective if you want him in the wide nine position. So traditionally, you won't have two wide nines because then your defensive line has too many gaps. You'll have a nine and a seven, which means that one of the defensive linemen is closer to the tackle on their side. He's great out of both of those spots. I talked about the advantages of the wide nine and the laneway and the angles and giving him a runway. That's going to help him beat tackles around the edge. That's going to help him with speed to power and creating and generating more force and speed. It's going to help him with counters to open up the inside move because you're coming from a wider position. So the tackle has to open his hips. He sees him do that. There's a spin move. There's an inside swim. There's so many things you can do out of a wide nine as a pass rusher. And that's why Salah loves it. From the other side is a seven tech. 
You saw him do that a lot already at Oregon, and you know he can be successful. He can bully people through his chest, be that Daniel Hunter-type um, defensive end like we saw in Minnesota. So I think it's a great fit. I think he'd do a fantastic job. He'd bring stability to the running game, which I already mentioned. I can't think of a better landing spot for Thibodeau. Value-wise, it's great. I know people want offense. I'll tell you what's better than reaching for offensive players, drafting elite prospects at premium positions, be it on offense or defense. Right now, this draft lines up that defense is better at the top. It's better at four. It's better at 10. Unless Ikem and Kwanwu falls, you got to look at taking a guy like Thibodeau, Hutchinson, or Source. And I think uh, Thibodeau may be the best option for the Jets and also the most likely. Luke Grant, the Thunder from Down Under. Thanks so much for coming on and breaking down Kayvon Thibodeau's tape with me. Really appreciate it. You've got a video up on our YouTube channel showing the All-22 of Kayvon Thibodeau. So if you want a visual representation of what we've been talking about, go watch the video. Subscribe to the channel too because there's a ton of other great videos up there right now. Luke's working on some more. I've even got some coming up on the channel too. So a lot of content coming your way. Luke, talk about what people are going to see when they subscribe to our YouTube channel and also talk a little bit about our store over at tpublic.com. That's T-E-E-Public.com. As far as T-Public, Scott, it's a great range of merch, a little bit different to kind of the generic jet shop, NFL shop stuff you see online. Some great designs. My partner, Alex, helped with those. You can find her on on, uh, Instagram, underscore, can I be frank? We've got the Zach the Ripper range with Zach with a headband on and some eye black with some blood. That's a really cool design. John Franklin Myers, Quinn and Williams range. The bless you, thank you, we named that one. Uh, you got the Zach says go long, play like a jet logo. As I say every time, you can chuck it on a t-shirt, put it on mugs, laptop stickers. You can can do anything you like with it. And it's just a, a great way to support the channel and also kind of take your merch to the next level. So would highly recommend checking us out on TeePublic. And then for the YouTube stuff, it's going to be so heavily uh, influenced by looking at draft picks and looking at potential free agents. Some of the guys that are up there already, all of the top edges, Thibodeau we mentioned today, Hutchinson, Ajabo. I've got one coming uh, on Walker, the, the, uh, the guy who's skyrocketing up boards right now from Georgia. Some people are saying he's going to go before Thibodeau, who we talked about today. Uh, I had a video that released just yesterday on Evan Neal, a guy who I actually think is not a great fit for the Jets, and I would be happy if they passed on him if he makes it to four. Uh, and there's going to be a whole lot more. You mentioned you've got some mock draft videos coming. There's just a whole lot of great stuff. It's great value. It's free. All you have to do is like and subscribe. It helps us out. So would appreciate you doing it and checking out the channel on YouTube. Visit our store at tpublic.com. That's tee And give us a five-star review for the podcast on iTunes if you haven't done that already. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we'd be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts and content, you know where to go. That's Play Like a Jet Digital and PlayLikeAJet.com.